News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Sunday, everybody. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. I'm Brittany Cathay here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question about anything garden, yard, houseplant related, you can feel free to give us a call. The number is one 332 8255 Hey, Rick, how are you this morning? Good morning, Brittany. I'm doing great. It's a little bit cooler today, so it's a little bit of reprieve from all the hot weather we've been having. So um, great time to um, be out in the garden. Yeah, definitely. And we're already getting a lot of texts in and a lot of them, conveniently enough, are about things that we wanted to talk about anyways. Uh, so here's one. This is Sarah from Colonze. I have a 10 foot tall apple tree and it has a very large side branch that has very tiny apples on it. I want to prune this branch out. When's the best time to do this? Yeah, any any time now is good to do it. Uh um, you can prune since the, the, the leaves are the full size right now, you can prune them now and you can prune them right up until even the dormant period, which is, uh, until basically in the middle, in the middle to end of November. And then I stop and then I'll prune again on the apple trees again in March or the first week of April. So yeah, you can do some pruning right now because all the saps are basically, um, they're not concentrating up anymore. They're starting to send sugars down to the root system now. And so, um, yeah, it's not, not a problem to print. Okay, perfect. And does that really go for any type of tree? Are you good to prune any yeah. tree at all right now? Pretty much any type of tree you can prune, especially, especially if you're doing birches and maples and even pine trees. Now is a critical time to prune. You don't want to prune other times of the year. You want to prune uh, after the leaves are full, fully grown and fully opened up and then right up until oh about the middle to the end of september and then i don't like to prune them anymore because they bleed like crazy in the spring if you prune them in the dormant period so um uh, so now is a perfect time for birches maples and pine trees now is the time you want to give them a pruning for sure and even the spruces and those kind of things you can prune them as well. A lot of people decide they want to take take the boughs up off the off the you know take the branches up off the ground. Now's a good time to do that pruning because uh, a lot of evergreens go dormant uh, by by August the first approximately, depending on the year. And um, especially this year, they've I think they a lot of them have set their buds already because it's been so dry. Yeah. And so now's a great time to do that kind of a pruning and um, even your shrubs. You can do some light pruning, like if you didn't prune your. Um, your spireas and those because they're all finished blooming now just deadhead them just give them a light pruning to deadhead them they'll look a lot nicer for the rest of the summer and uh so you can do that right now as well perfect and when it comes to planting trees and shrubs are you still okay to plant at this time of year <laughs> that's a great question i get that question probably a zillion times every week yeah <laughs> And uh, because everybody's thinking, okay, you only plant in the spring, right? That's all the old tradition was when, you know, when the farmers farmers put the crop in the ground, that's when you can plant, right? So, yeah. but yeah, with, with containers, all the nursery products and containers now, you can plant all summer long, right up, right up from when the frost is out of the ground until the frost goes in the ground in the fall. You can, you can actually plant. You just have to make sure that you don't plant and go on holidays for two weeks, yeah. you know, unless you got, <laughs> that's the biggest thing. But other than that, you just have to make sure you're around to water them and uh, and you can plant all summer. There's still lots and lots of time for those plants to get rooted uh, before wintertime. And so you're good to go. 
Perfect. And when it comes to plants rooting, I had to run into Dutch growers on Friday to pick up a few things. My next door neighbor heard that I was going. So she said, hey, I'm going to be planting some shrubs. Can you pick me up some mics? And I had no clue what she was talking about. So they had to help me find them once I got there. But what exactly are mics? What do they do? What's the point of using them? Yeah, for the, for the for the residentials, it comes in a blue container. Okay, it's uh, it's called Mike, and what it is is a mycorrhizal. And uh, the, the farming community know what will know what that is because they use a lot of mycorrhizums when they're planting canola and that. What it is is mycorrhizum is actually a bacteria, and uh, a lot of the research actually came from the University of Saskatchewan. Oh, really? And 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 a company. Uh, uh, in in Saskatchewan that that started all that, but it's actually a natural bacteria that's in the soil. That basically what it does is it it cultures itself on the root system of the plant, and then it grows little these little nodules. They look like little warts on the roots, and those little warts. What they do is they they're they're most of them are phosphorus fixing. There are some nitrogen fixing mycorrhizums too, but the ones Mike is. It's actually a phosphorus fixing. So it grabs phosphorus from the soil and feeds it more to, makes it more available because there's a lot of phosphorus that's just not available to the plant. And so it grabs the phosphorus and gives it to the plant. And also because of those nodules, it actually grabs moisture too. So it's a great way to make the roots just go like crazy to get them established better. And, uh, uh, at, at our garden center, because we sell them, we sell the mics. So you buy it with the plant at the time you actually, actually purchase the plant. Then uh, normally we give you a one-year warranty on all your plants, but if you use the mics, you actually get a five-year warranty. That's how that's how good it works. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So I guess yeah. next time I have a shrub or a tree to plant, I'm definitely going to be getting yeah. some of those. All right. Yeah. You just have to, one, one thing I have to remember about mycorrhizum when you're handling it, you it only lasts for for you know you can't ha- ha- hold it on for season to season. Yeah. So you basically buy what you need to do that planting, and make sure when you buy it, you'll see it in the stores. It'll always be inside where it's probably air conditioned in that, and so you can't just let it sit it out in the sun. It's it's a living organism, so you got to treat it, and you can't put it in the shed and let freeze over winter time so uh you have to you know you have to treat it like a living organism because that's what it is but it works really well perfect okay we're talking trees and perfectly gene has a question about trees out in regina hi gene hi i have a, a 25 year old about a maybe 40 foot sugar maple and i notice yes. that it's dropping a lot of leaves and also some of the lower skinny branches the leaves are turning yellow already and dropping off, uh, is that heat stress or lack of water or? Yeah, it's probably it's probably heat stress. So what you need at the drip line of the tree, I would probe the soil down at least twelve to sixteen inches down. You know, use a piece of rebar or something like that, and just right. see what the moisture is because sometimes it's also too much water. Okay. Ah, so okay. so check what it is. Also check for aphids. Aphids have been oh. just brutal. They've been just brutal this year uh, with and the heat le- and everything and else. The leaf hoppers. <laughs> and leaf hoppers, yeah. So, so check for those. But most likely, the issue is either too much or not enough water. And the only okay. way you can tell that is by probing the soil about at least twelve to sixteen inches down. Okay, at the drip line of the tree, which is the right. outer edge of the branches, right? Right. Yeah. All right. And, I will do that. One thing, okay. Rick, I would like maybe you could address all of us avid gardeners out here and those that maybe are just learning. Uh, uh, both the necessity of bees, uh, ladybugs, and earthworms, because <laughs> I haven't seen, uh, I have never not seen any bees around my yard. Ladybugs, yeah. not, none. 
and no earthworms in my garden. So I'll hang up now and let you address that. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Jean. Let's get into that in the next segment here, Rick. We'll do a whole talk about about bugs coming up here. Um, If you do have a question, we'll still get you on, though. You can give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. We're going to be talking bugs coming up here quickly, but first we're going to take a couple of calls. We've got Jill on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Jill. Hi there. What's Thanks. your question? Thanks for my call, taking my call. Oh, of course. Um, You're welcome. My question is that uh, out where I live, uh, just south of the city here near the river, it's the soil is very, very sandy and light. And I'm wondering what I should be adding to the garden uh, because it seems like everything just wants to sink roots forever and not grow above. Yeah, so compost is number one, big one. So um, make sure you put some compost in there because that actually helps maintain moisture into your soil. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's probably the, 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 the easiest one you could put. And I'm not talking about uh, peat moss is is works kind of good, but the problem is peat moss I find is too fine. So using a good compost, um, you know, whether manure or or a good garden compost that you've made yourself, or you can pick up a lot of times at the um, uh, you live outside the city, but you, you know some of your local landfills have compost piles that you can actually you know pick up compost from. Where, the, where you dump off all your green greens and everything else. But uh, compost for your sandy soil is probably the number one um, that you can you can put into your soil. So getting a good manure, that kind of stuff, um, perfect. Just remember, you don't want to go too much of one thing. And so that's why I like a, a garden compost because you're going to have things like you might have a little bit of manure in it, but you also have, might have some, you know, branches sticks and that kind of stuff you might have some sawdust you might have some grass clippings it's a mixture of everything and that mixture of everything which helps keep maintain the moisture and give the nutrients for the plants that the plants all need okay thanks very much that uh, that's very helpful because we tried the peat moss and yeah yeah, peat moss is just too fine. I find it, it it's okay, but it, it doesn't, for what you need, it, it just doesn't do the trick. You need to go to a compost. Okay, the last garden that I had was Regina, and as you can imagine, the soil is quite a bit different. <laughs> yeah, well, then, then, you, then you're going to add, when you have those kind of hard soils, then you're adding things like even bark mulch or gypsum, you know, to help break up the clay particles, but you're totally different where you are. We sure are. Thank you very much. Of course. Thanks so much, Jill. All right. Now we have Yusuf on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Yusuf. Hi. Good morning. Uh, I have some cucumber plants. Uh, The last few days, uh, the leaves are turning kind of uh, whitish. So I don't know. It's kind I know it's... Yeah. Yeah, So what to do with it? With the heat and humidity, uh, what you have is powdery mildew, Okay. And so one thing that's number one is that you have to water in the early in the morning, but after the sun is up. Okay, uh, never. I and have, the, I have those those uh, the, the drips. Uh, yep, perfect. So, but so, still, I I have uh, this year a whitish on the, my plants. Yep. So there's two things you can try. One is one is a card garden sulfur, and you can spray it onto the leaves, and it'll help clean it up and prevent it from spreading 
And the other one you can try is just a natural one. You can do a mixture of, of water and milk. The protein in the milk will actually help break up and, and dissipate that, uh, the uh, powdery mildew as well. So you can use either one of them. And um, um, I use a lot of times I just use a garden sulfur. And garden sulfur, it's a powder you mix with water and you spray onto the leaves. It cleans it up pretty quickly. Garden sulfur, you said? Yep, correct. And it's available in the... Uh, you can, uh, yeah, you can get garden sulfur. It comes in a little po- little container, and you mix with water. You can get it at pretty much any garden center, any gar- any center that handles garden products. You can pretty it's pretty it's a pretty universal product that's used a lot. So you can pretty much get it at any garden center. So it's not too late now to do it. No, no, because right now we still got a you still got a whole month of of, uh, of of cucumbers producing cucumbers yet and finishing off. So you definitely need to to uh, take care of it. And then next year, if you have that same problem, get on it right away as soon as you see it. Okay. Okay. So you said sulfur from uh, with water, mix it and uh, spray yep. it. And spray it on. Just go go by the instructions on the container. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks okay. so much for the call, Yusuf. All right. We're going to get to bugs. I promise, Gene, but we've got a few more callers on the line. Uh, we have Faye in Saskatoon right now. Hi, Faye. Hi. What's your question? I have two questions, if I can. The first one is about ants. Our yard is just teeming with ants this year, and they're really bad in our hostess. Uh, we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or how we should get rid of them or if we should. Well, a- ants, number one, is the reason why ants are a lot of times around because in dry years, ants produce like crazy, okay? So um, making sure that you've got enough moisture because ants don't like moist soil. They like dry soil. And so make sure you've got adequate moisture, especially even in the north side of the houses where your hosses are. Uh, it tends to be drier right now just because of the, there's just no moisture at all. And so watch the moisture. And also you can, you, one thing about uh, ants is they like to be around plants that, that have aphids. So watch for aphids because if you've got a lot of aphids in your plants, the ants will go and actually harvest the excrement, the sap that the aphids excrete. They don't eat the aphids. They actually farm the aphids. They, they milk them like dairy cattle. They cling onto the back of them, and as the aphids excrete, they grab the the sap, and then they bring it down to the nest. So they're very smart that they don't don't actually eat that insect. They actually use them for beneficial purposes. So the other one you can use in your garden is and works very well is called ant out nematodes. So you have to you have to wet the soil first because nematodes is an insect that you spray onto your your grass or your garden or your shrub bed. And uh, but the the nematode has to go through moist soil. It can't go through bone dry soil. It won't work. So you have to water your soil well first, and then spray the nematodes on, and then water again. And the nematodes will go down to the ant nest where the queen is, and will start attacking the the nest itself. The eggs is what it attacks. It's not the ants themselves. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, is there is there a reason why we don't want the ants? Like, do they actually eat the plants? Well, they, they can, if you get a big nest at the, at the base of a plant, it'll aerate the plant so much, you know, that it'll actually, it'll actually dry the soil out and they actually will actually cut the roots as well as they go through. But the biggest issue is that they just aerate the soil so bad that it just, the plant just has no moisture that it, that it can't survive there because it's just too dry. So just by keeping it wet, if you keep it wet as well, 
uh, especially a deep wetting, because normally, don't forget those those ant nests are down probably at least 12 inches at least. So you have to do a deep soak, even using a root feeder and okay. wetting the area where the ant nest is, then the queen won't like that, and the queen will actually just move to a different location. And okay, so uh, by powder called Ampigon? Yep. Would that work? Yep. Absolutely. It'll work on top of the nest. What Ampigon is, is it's a diatomaceous earth, which is actually crushed up seashells. So when you sprinkle that on top of the um, the anthill, it actually, when the ants crawl through it, it gets into their little joints and basically cuts them up and dehydrates them. So it takes care of the the actual the the um, the actual adult ants, but you got to remember the queen's underground producing even more ant eggs and then just replacing those ants. So that's why I like to go after with the nematodes to go after the the root problem as as the nest itself. Okay, so we're watering um, about. 15 minutes a day every third day in our flower beds. Is that enough yep. right now? Well, where the, where the actual anthills are, you want to water a little bit deeper, okay? Okay. So so give it a little extra so it goes down, the water goes down deeper, and then that'll make it so that the, the queen ant won't want to be there. So 20 minutes every second day? Yep. Yeah, or even just just even or even just taking in those patches where you know where you have that ant nest, just taking a, a, a just slowly putting the garden hose on that spot and just let it trickle so it goes down deep. Okay. Okay. Then my right second question yeah. is about uh, Chinese peonies. Yes. Uh, so this year I decided I would leave the after they flowered I would leave it on to see if yep. I could get some seeds. Yes. And now the plant has turned kind of an olive green, and the all these seed pods are white powdery. There's yeah, no it's... powder on the leaves at all, but they're just an olive green instead of the bright green. Yep. Yeah. With, with this with this heat, I mean, they're just under a bit of a stress because peonies like to be dry. You don't want to overwater them, right? Right. And. Uh, and and but right now it's just been super dry because of the heat and humidity. So most likely, if it's just all powder, you probably didn't have great pollination. But um, um, so you're probably not going to get any seed out of that this year. So and uh, just those off and let the strength so, go into the plant. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And also, you just just watch the moisture. You know, don't let it go. It doesn't like to be wet at all. Okay, but don't let it go bone bone dry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, Rick. Perfect. Thanks okay. so much for the call, Faye. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyke. If you've got a question, you can feel free to give us a call. The number is 1-877-332-8255. You can also send us a text at that same number. Right now we have Tom on the line out in Choiceland. Hi, Tom. Hi there. Good morning. I was wondering, um, like I know there's a big aphid problem this year, so um, you get ladybugs, but where do you buy them? A lot of ladybugs, you can get them at your at a local garden center, but you got to order them in the spring. The problem has been these last two years is there has been a, not a great ladybug um, um, uh, uh, harvest. So the, there's been numbers have been low, so we haven't been able to get them. We've had orders, but haven't been able to fill them. 
So there's also a, I think a lady there's a the ladybug lady out in out in Vancouver Island. She also there's another person out there that that handles them. I'm not sure if she had them this year at all as well. Uh, but the best thing you do for your for your garden is that make it so that they want to be around. So uh, they loved having mulch. Okay, so you can mulch your shrub beds and that. That's great habitat for them to winter for the wintertime. But also, um, you'll probably notice that we had the question about how come we don't have, you know, different insects around the yard and all that kind of stuff this year. And a lot of it has to do because of the type of year we're having. We're not even have that many mosquitoes. Why don't we have that many mosquitoes? Because there's as much moisture around. So those insects, they, the insects love moisture, okay? They need water as well. So putting out bird baths, putting out little bowls and that kind of stuff around, um, you know, you need to you need to clean them out just so for you don't have, make habitat for mosquitoes, larvae. But if you make spots that you can you can have water for those insects, you'll attract bees more to your yard. You'll attract all kinds of insects to your yard uh, to be able to uh, to be able to go after the other insects, which just feed on basically the sap of the tree. So they're getting their moisture from the tree itself. Uh, whereas the predators need water uh, to be able to to be able to survive, so then you want to make sure that you have some of that around. All right, and then uh, I got another question for you. Okay, like I asked you about this, I think before about um, uh, the the maggots and stuff to get into the onions, right? Yes. Yep. The only way you're going to stop that is you have to use a crop cover in the spring. So you have to use it's called it's called a crop cover. It's a white fabric, okay, and it looks like landscape fabric, but only it's way thinner and it's white, and it lets air lets light sunlight through and it lets water through, and you have to put that over top as soon as you plant your garden, and you put little little props up to hold it up off the ground, uh, because what you want to do is that when you when as soon as the the your onions are the ground, your fly the fly that lays the eggs for the onion maggots has come out of the ground and they're hanging around your yard on something yellow. They're hanging around weeds like dandelions and that kind of stuff. So you have to get that first two to three weeks when the first onions to poop up on the ground to make so that that fly cannot get to the plant and then they'll go off to somewhere else and go try to lay their eggs and then you can take the cover off because the flies have now moved on. And that's the number one way that's very easy. It's organic. Uh, no insecticides, no nothing, and a good, great way of of keeping those fl- onion maggots off your onion crop. Because I thought you mentioned one time about using that um, uh, grub, grub be gone or whatever. Yep. Yeah, well, the problem with that is that the grub be gone with with those ones. You have to you have to put it on early when the fly is still in its pupate stage. Uh, so either put it on in the fall or put it on early in the spring before the fly comes out of the ground as, as an adult, okay? Because once it becomes, once it's a maggot, then, uh, then what happens is a lot of times that nematode can't get at them because they're actually already into the onion. So it can, if, as long as the, 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 the nematode can get at them, uh, then it's okay. But it's, it's, it, for that onion maggot, it is a tougher one to get. And the best, like I said, the nematodes can work if they're put on the proper time, but the 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 biggest one is that if you put the crop cover on, then you won't have that issue at all. Well, it 
so will you do that when you're planting them then or what as soon as you plant your as soon as you plant your 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 oh. onion sets like your bulbs or your seed or whatever you're doing as soon as you put that that seed in the ground cover them up no but with that nematodes would you put that on when you're planting them then or what? yep You'd put it on right, right the same time you plant. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks so much for the call, Tom. Okay, Rick. So Tom asked where to buy ladybugs, but I'm curious, what exactly, what benefit do ladybugs have in a yard? What good are they oh. doing that we really want them around? It's it's amazing because the the, the both the the, um, the the pupate stage, which is the before it turns into a ladybug, looks like a looks like a dragon almost. <laughs> They eat an amazing amount of of uh, of ladybug uh, of aphids and other types of insects, and so do uh, and so do the adult ladybugs as well. They eat a lot of insect. They eat they just eat all day long. That's all they do is eat 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 eat. So um, uh, that works really well. Another bug you can do you can try to order, and it's becoming more and more popular. Is the praying mantis, Ooh. and so uh, you can, and that's of course kids love the praying mantis because it's so interesting. Uh, they won't survive our winters here, so you have to keep introducing them each year. And so, but they eat a lot, a lot of bugs as well as a praying mantis. And another insect that I that I checked into that you can look look into, and you just have to make your you basically when you plant your garden, plant flowers in around your garden because you attract other other predator insects, but you also attract the honeybees and that kind of stuff. So so putting sunflower in, putting alyssum in, putting in you know lobelia, all kinds of marigolds is another good one to put in to attract the insects. But another insect that that's a good predator is what I was just looking up re- researching this year is this spring uh is one that's called robber fly mm-hmm. now the robber fly is a looks like a house fly and it actually is uh another name for it i guess is called the assassin fly oh my god and so <laughs> and so and so this assassin fly it, it basically goes and just seeks and destroys and goes after even grasshoppers goes after leaf hoppers aphids even goes after wasps as well and so, but they all, there's one negative part about them is that they can bite people too. So, and, uh, uh, I've noticed some, you know, those, I've, I never realized what they are, but there has been a house fly when I've been out in the water that isn't biting me. And it doesn't, it's not a horse fly. It's not a deer fly. It is actually looks like a house fly. And it actually, that's what it actually is. I found out it's actually a robber fly. And so they do can bite, but they, they can bite you too. But, uh, Normally, they just go out mostly after insects. I think the only reason out in the water they get me because there's no other insects around out in the middle of the water. So they're just landing on me and then and then giving me a little bite. So, um, uh, But otherwise, yeah, the robber fly, if you want to look into that and uh, and how do you attract those, that's a good predator insect too. That's that's Especially when it's dry years, they just love it. Awesome. So those bugs are more to eat other insects. When it comes to yes. bees, we really yes. just want bees around for, pollination purposes right yeah. and so pollination purposes is huge so having you know you can introduce in the spring as well as leaf cutter bees into your yard if you're having problems with pollination and you can you can purchase leaf cutter bees they're most of the ones you purchase here are actually from saskatchewan that's what we like to do we don't want to introduce bees from other other provinces because then it can affect our honeybees uh, so just make sure you get a leaf cutter bee that's, that comes from Saskatchewan and it's great. It'll help pollinate. Um, 
your your yard and also make sure the bees need also need water so making sure you have a water source around for your bees it's huge uh because they they'll, they'll, they'll congregate around the bird bath all the time you'll see it and uh and also making sure you have enough flowers just even around your garden like i said plant marigolds plant uh, all those kind of plants around your garden, flowers around your garden to attract more bees to the garden. So they actually will go after the, your, your other flowers for your tomatoes and your cucumbers and your peppers and your beans and everything else. So that's very, very important uh, to attract, uh, to put more flowers in your yard, even if you have to put a container in. Uh, if you don't have the space and you want to put a container at the edge, uh, put some containers with some flowers in them and uh, you'll attract more bees. Perfect. And now also quickly on kind of on the topic of bees. Yesterday I was out in the yard and I got stung by a wasp and my auntie told me that they've been having a ton of issues with wasps in their yards as well. Is there anything that I can really do to prevent wasps in the yard or am I better just setting a trap and trying to catch them? What do you recommend? Yeah, wasps, they're so aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I was at my sister's cabin and there, we had tons of wasps, but we also had this black hornet wasps as well. And the black hornet ones are, are even more aggressive than the yellow jackets. And so you don't want to make one of those mad because they'll just, they'll just say, they'll just look at you and they'll just keep stinging you over and over again. <laughs> so <laughs> one thing about honeybees is that that's why, and even leafcutter bees is that they, they don't like to sting you. Um, they're fairly, they, 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 because they, they sting you, they'll die. So they just want to, they just want to make, they just want to find honey. That's all, uh, find pollen so they can make honey. And so, but the, but the other wasps and that, yeah, they can be very aggressive and, uh, and they can sting more than once. So yeah, putting out in the spring, putting out what's called a waspinator. Uh, it's basically a fake wasp nest, but you have to put it out early in the spring because they're very territorial. So if there's another wasp nest around, they won't want to be in the same spot. So you can do that. But other than that, once you have them, um, uh, one thing about wasps is that they, they sometimes they'll build a nest in, in a plant or a trellis around a vine, which my sister had right in, a, in, her, in her trellis. And so um, uh, she found it by accident, and that's why she got stung. <laughs> so, and uh, but uh, other than that, sometimes they go underground as well. Or in my mother-in-law's case, it actually went into a hole underneath the footing of the house, oh up into gosh. the insulation of of uh, in 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 the garage, and uh, they had a nest right in. You couldn't even get at them, and so it was really a problem. So you had to put we had to put traps out and and seal holes and that kind of stuff. And uh, it can be a problem. And there's lots of lots of uh, sprays out there that you can use to um, to get them if they're th that type of situation. But the 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 traps, those little jars with putting little pop in them and those kind of stuff, they work really well uh, to attract them because they love sweet things. Um, and, uh, and also, uh, just watch when you're, um, when you're, when you're eating outside, just making sure that you've got little covers over to your food and don't put your food out until you're ready to sit down and actually eat outside. And, uh, then you can not attract them to your picnic area as well. Yep. Perfect. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, you can feel free to give us a call. The number is 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Sharon on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Sharon. Hello. Um, I have a question about putting iron into the soil. 
Um, I have sea holly in my garden as well as something called, I think it's Lorraine sunshine or a false sunflower. And uh, someone was telling me that the leaves are looking kind of peaked and she thought I needed more iron. So is that a possibility or... Yeah, you'll see it. You'll look at sort of yellowy between the veins, especially. Yeah. And when the veins will be green, the rest will be more yellow, and that's basically called chlorotic, which means lacking iron. Uh-huh. Now you can feed them iron, okay? But what I suggest you do is that iron feeding them iron is basically just putting a bandaid on it, okay? It does help the plant a lot, and but what you need to get down is why is there an iron deficiency in the soil? And a lot of that has to do because your pH of your soil is too high, okay, in around, in Saskatchewan anyway. Some places it's too low, okay, but your uh-huh. pH should be around your pH should be around 7. And okay. a lot of soils, especially if you're around Saskatoon, your pH is going to be around 7.4 to up to 8.3, okay. If it's that high, your plant can't uptake nutrients properly, okay. Okay. And so, so then what you just need to do is get yourself a little soil testing kit. You can pick them up at most garden centers. And you also need to get yourself some distilled water. Okay, you can get that from a pharmacy or wherever because you can't use tap water to do this test. So you can do it at your kitchen sink, but you can't use tap water uh, because the tap water is, is a higher pH as well. So you, it'll distort your, your, your results. So okay. use, use distilled water. Do a test, and if you find your your pH it has a little color color index on the back uh, of the of card of the uh, test kit, and you can just find out if your pH is too high. If it's a really a murky green, you know that uh, your test is, you'll know that your um, your pH is way too high. And then you need to use things like aluminum sulfate and or sulfur to help lower the pH, which then the plant can take up the nutrients that are available in the soil already, just that they can't get it because the pH is too high or too low. Okay, all right. Okay. I'll give that a try. What, one thing about putting iron in, like just in the interim, um, yep. if I was to put a rusty old, I don't know, metal thing in a, a bucket of water and yep. uh, get the water kind of rusty and then water it with that, would that sort of give it a boost to begin with or yeah it'll it'll help yeah it'll help it'll help a bit but you you won't get the results very quickly and i think what you want to do is you want to get the results a little bit quicker so find find a product like there's there's even some fertilizers that you'll see that has an iron base in it you know Uh but a lot of fertilizers don't have that okay so um some of the um more you know like um the the supplemental uh, or even organic fertilizers have an iron in it, so look for something like that. Or there's there is ones that just just put uh, like um, iron chelate is one we used to use a lot. It's hard to find the iron chelate now, but it, that used to get results like right away. <laughs> you used to see the change in, in days, and okay. so. Um, uh, but otherwise, uh, you can put iron in any way you can. Whether it's a, a, a put a stick and even a nail into the ground, right? And um, and uh, and then it, it, with the moisture, it'll just break down. But uh, some of the supplements will do a quicker job of that. But uh, seriously, I, I, you do need to check your pH of your soil. I think okay. that that'll be in the long term will be your fix for your plants. 
Good. Okay. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sharon. Good luck. All right. We are going to take a quick break for the news. And after that, we'll be back to answer more of your questions. If you have a question of any sort relating to gardens, yards, houseplants, anything at all, give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.